Hey, what's up? Welcome to Basecraft. So um, there's actually a heat wave happening in Ireland right now. I think it's like the hottest week in about 70 years or something. And uh, funnily enough, uh, I know you if you're watching this, you only ever see my shed from this angle. But to the right of me, there's another section that's like storage. Well, it's actually just a complete mess always. And there about two weeks ago, I decided to clear it out for the first time in, I'd say, five years. And... Um, I found this big uh, fan that I had inherited off a friend. He was moving away and he just gave me this big, huge fan. And um, I actually was like, why do I even keep this thing? I've never used it once. So I put it aside to bring to the dump or to give away for free. And in typical procrastinating form, I didn't get rid of it. And boom, a heat wave comes three weeks later. And uh, this little fan here is been a lifesaver the last week I, I literally wouldn't have done a single bit of music or video editing or done anything without it so thank god for the fan and sometimes procrastinating is a good thing so uh, i've actually made a good few videos in the last few weeks so check out my youtube channel um i made a good one about a chris square inspired um left hand bass technique where i take the line from long distance run around and make this really hard left hand um, exercise so link in the description to that so today's guest is andrew freed and andrew runs the base freedom base education platform he's well known on tiktok he has around fifty thousand followers as we speak uh really active on instagram and puts up these super detailed youtube videos which are awesome as well and then so if you sign up to his platform you get like access to all the stuff he's made like um, courses about arpeggios and all these things so definitely check that out and of course he's available for private lessons as well um, so we really got into it and um, he had a real uh, interesting take on why it's a good idea to learn some of these what might be taboo based techniques like sweep picking and tapping and crazy slap and he kind of was just explaining how they just benefit benefit you as an overall musician and will just improve your bass playing even if you never use them on the bandstand also as a teacher he, he encounters students who want all kinds of different things not everyone wants to go out there and play gigs people just want to learn bass for fun sometimes so as usual like subscribe leave a comment all that stuff and um i just started a mailing list for the podcast and all the stuff i'm doing link to that in the description and uh yeah see you in a minute sound is the most important part yeah we're looking good so what time is it where you are it is 11 57 noon noon here cool you're teaching all day every day that's kind of your thing just teaching at home yeah teaching um on zoom is my main thing in addition to just uh you know making content cool you're in um baltimore which uh, most people outside of america would know from the wire the tv show pretty much yeah when people think baltimore they think the wire or like heroin <laughs> <laughs> well i didn't want to say that but <laughs> no it's actually it's actually not a like that i mean we obviously have a city and like a ghetto area but um i live more in the county there's you know tons of great areas i i love baltimore um it's uh it's definitely a good city it's definitely home for me is it a good uh music city like does it have a fairly vibrant scene yeah i think so there's some times where um you know i've questioned it compared to other cities but i think i've questioned it more because i was you know i've played in bands um throughout you know my whole life and um in the baltimore scene but i guess uh never had one that like i you know I'm touring with worldwide now, so mm -hmm. uh, I feel like you know that's it. That's all luck there, which is you know a big part of that. Um, but it's definitely got a, a good music scene. You know, I guess personally, I I've definitely been uh, gigging in it and um, a part of it for my whole life. So uh, 
uh, I have some mixed feelings towards it, but it's it's definitely vibrant for sure. Yeah, well, a lot of people put a pressure on themselves when they stay in their... I'm still in my hometown, but they think that they need to go to a big city to try and make it. But you could go to that city and nothing would happen and it would be even worse. Like, So you got to, I suppose, figure out what success is to you. Like, you know, if you're happy teaching in your hometown and playing on the scene there, like that's that's cool too. No, absolutely. I never wanted to go, you know, too far away. I mean, when I was in high school, I wanted to... I already knew I wanted to do music and go to a music college and all that stuff, but I never questioned going to like something like Berkeley or one of those out of state places. Cause I was always tied down here with, um, I, I, cause I did play in bands. I mean, at the time I didn't know where they would go and, you know, friends, family, I, I'm definitely kind of a homebody for sure. But, um, I, uh, yeah, no, I, but as I said, Baltimore's a good, a good scene. I, uh, I just, uh, Everyone has their certain route. Mine's now, uh, you know, thank for social media and uh, education and uh, love teaching, talking, playing music. That's kind of that's kind of my thing. It's always been my thing, but I've really honed in on it the past couple of years. It's almost more sociable, the Zoom lessons, I find, because you have more time, more time for a little chat because they're not getting driven to where your lesson is. And there's not another kid or adult waiting outside the door for them to get lost and start again. You really can have a chat and you could just send an email on your phone, say to the next person, oh, I'm, I'm kind of getting into something here. Give me 10 minutes. <laughs> That's kind of cool about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very passionate about Zoom lessons and all that stuff. I was sort of doing it like Skype and a little bit. I had a couple lessons before COVID and all that stuff. So I um I had a little bit of a head start, but I really jumped into it. I used to do exactly that, like house to house, teach at a music store. And now, you know, I work completely from home and um, I really have a nice kind of like, you know, upgraded my setup just for that. You know, I got a couple of camera angles, you know, and all that stuff, you know, down nice. here. so I get some up close shots yeah. and uh, um, you know, it's so much easier. The emails, the whiteboard, the screen sharing, you know, I got a piano right here. Cause yeah. I, I like to use that for reference and um all my instruments so now zoom's the way to go i was checking out your website and I, you had um kind of a, a preview of what you got i was like you were driving the starship enterprise when you were showing off <laughs> your setup like it was like the most amazing home <laughs> studio for teaching ever it's like you're getting into a spaceship ready to give, give zoom lessons so you're definitely the most kitted out teacher i've seen online like Oh, that's awesome to hear. Thanks, man. That's so funny you called a spaceship because I literally, I, 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 that's what I call it. So I'm like, my spaceship of a desk. It's like one of those sit and stand stations which like go up and down. So I, I do, I, I'm definitely more of an electric player, but I always played upright bass um, growing up. I, I was a jazz major, so I, I played upright. Um, I definitely have really switched to electric more in adulthood than college days and gigging and jazz gigs but i do still have some upright bass students um you know bluegrass jazz some stuff like that so i'll pull out the upright and rise this up you know instead of like the camera mm-hmm. is awkward so it's uh, definitely a good setup I, I i knew that i saw the opportunity i was like this is i don't see myself going house to house ever again you know um and i because I, I was gigging less actually um I was definitely gigging less in the last couple of years because of teaching. I just found it more financially stable and consistent. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah. 
because I used to gig a lot, but now it's kind of pick and choose for me and social media and Zoom's my thing. And what, what you were saying, you're, you used to be more um, upright. Uh, what were your bass beginning? Was it more in that kind of acoustic bass or it wasn't your typical, they needed a bass player and you were the worst guitarist in the band. So, <laughs> so you, you, you became the bass player. No, so yeah, I uh, it wasn't more. I didn't play upright first or anything. I I actually, when I was in elementary school, the first instrument I ever played was like the alto sax. When you're in like third or fourth grade, and I hated it, and it made me dizzy, and I, I just hated it. So I I quit that. So I didn't actually play a instrument in school until I started playing the bass, the electric bass. And then my middle school teacher was like, "Why aren't you an orchestra?" You know, I was like, oh, well, I was just young. I didn't put two and two. Like, well, I play electric bass. You know, I'm playing ACDC and Led Zeppelin. And I didn't think the classical the classical big thing with a bow correlated. So I switched to upright bass and just played all through high, you know, middle, high school and into college when I became a jazz major. Um, mm. my teach- I also did electric and upright. We we should talk about that because I, I, this is an Irish based podcast with international guests and Irish guests. But uh, all the American guests keep talking about this jazz school. We don't have that here. Like even I had one of my students like the the leaving. They call it the high school music program in Ireland ha- leaves a lot to be desired. I'm just going to say it. It's true. I had a student this week and he's doing his final exams and he still. I had to explain to him how to make a major card. Like what's the route to third and the fifth to make his baseline so but what is this jazz thing that happens in the high schools over in america every school has it do they so oh yeah jazz bands um pretty much well yeah jazz band is just either a class or an after school extracurricular thing that school offers where you know you have a teacher and a whole combo or group of musicians that study jazz in middle school and high school it's very like reading music and just you know whatever your teacher picks and then in college, you really ha- only get to pick two things. It's like you're going to go the classical route, you're going to go the jazz route. I mean, you can't be a rock major. At college college in America is like around the age of 14 or 15, is it? That's what you call it. Oh, no, no, no. College is 18. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I'm I, so American that I, I, I don't even think about other cultures and their college standards. <laughs> no, I, so, I think in England I, it's, it's different. To, we're the same as you. You go to high school and then you go to college but in england they split them off around 14 they kind of specialize a bit quicker so it's just different but yeah that's that's class so that you get to do jazz that early like get get introduced to it oh yeah yeah you get to do it as early as middle school which is 12 13 it was like an after school thing there i actually played guitar and bass in the jazz band i was in like two of them i was really into it i was definitely a music a music kid um for sure and uh no, yeah, it's uh, there's plenty of music in the schools. It depends where you come from. It's not just America. I know, I know some people in different states that I teach that are like ah, the music program. They don't really have jazz band or something. So it really depends on just where you're at. I guess I was lucky growing up in Maryland, and at that time there was a pretty good, just music was present within my schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you actually like jazz? Like, did you have a lot of Weather Report records, or were you still listening to ACDC and that kind of stuff? It's a good question. I was a late bloomer to jazz for sure. Um, you know, being a jazz major and then playing in in high school, I always found that jazz pushed all the boundaries of music and everything. Most of the things that I have learned from a 
theory standpoint that really, really applied came from jazz, you know, whether it was just walking bass lines, just chord theory, improvisation, all that stuff really came from jazz. Is it my favorite genre of music? I I don't I listen to it often and um but you know I have you know I'm pretty versatile with what mm-hmm. I listen to. It wasn't my first uh love, but I think I could definitely say I've learned the most from it, but I'm not a a jazz guy like if you look at my social media you you won't see too much jazz stuff, but you no. if you actually dissect what a lot of what I do, it's definitely taken from, you know, a lot of the theory of jazz where I've learned a lot of my I was thinking myself the other day about what I, I, I like listening to jazz, but I don't really pursue playing in a jazz band or anything like that. And I know I figured out why I like listening to jazz. It's because when I listen to it, I don't analyze it like when I listen to rock music. When I hear like a rock song, I go, oh, nice E minor, e minor pentatonic lick there or whatever. Like I can hear what's going on. But when I listen to jazz, my brain doesn't do that because I'm not really as familiar with the language. So I can just kind of listen to it like I listened to music before I learned the bass or <laughs> something it's like I'm I'm still just a music listener and that I like that about it you know it's more free the ear my I can just sit relax into it a bit freer than I would with but I rock music is still my favorite genre at the end of the day but that is definitely one of the reasons why I probably like listening to jazz yeah no I was a rocker growing up my parents were musicians so they were in like a rock band in the 70s and 80s so i was definitely raised on rock music jazz was more of a school and uh, i wanted to learn more type of influence than like oh man i love jazz so <laughs> cool so we should talk about bass freedom so that's that's your platform that's your bass platform uh your website and uh how does it work i suppose you could give us a brief outline of how bass freedom works there's a lot of these popping up at the moment like but um your videos are crazy detailed i think that's probably your strongest one of your strongest point like you go into unbelievable detail especially with the slap stuff you're awesome at breaking down all those rhythms and the different techniques that the people that do slap do because a lot of people have a different way of playing slaps but you're able to analyze each person so i guess you can explain best how this bass freedom platform works yeah, thanks, man. And I, I we kind of jumped right into things. I I never even said like thanks thanks for having me here. And um, I'm glad that I got a chance to come on. You've you've interviewed some some people that I definitely uh, look up to, and I uh, um definitely happy to be here. So first things, thank you. Kind of jumped. I love right. your videos, man. I really like the stuff you put up. Like they're they're right up my alley. Like the detail and the quality of the video and everything. And we'll get into the other stuff you're doing. I think your your TikTok stuff has taken off, which I know absolutely not know nothing about. So you can teach me all about TikTok. <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about base freedom first. Yeah, yeah. So base freedom, something uh something I've wanted to do my almost my whole life was just like once I got into teaching was how can I, you know, I want to put everything I know about music and the bass like into the world. And that's essentially what bass freedom is. It's in its first year of life. Um, You know, I launched March 1st and I had been working on courses and lessons and website building and all the, the business end of just starting your own business. And bass freedom is exactly that. But it's essentially just a subscription website that you pay $15 a month and you get access to the lessons and the courses that are on there. Um, So it's still tons of everything I do, create content, teach Zoom lessons, work on base freedom. That's my my life 
goal right now is just mm-hmm. to get everything I know onto this website. So what it offers, you know, is um, tons of, as you said, detailed videos. I appreciate that because I, I find some videos, there's a difference between being long winded and detailed because it's like, you know, I, I want you to be able to kind of pick and choose what you have to do. There's the PDF and the transcription there. If you just want to look at the exercise and learn it, go yeah. for it. You know, it's there. There's a, you can download um, the backtrack. I, I try to have multiple tempos. I pretty much just thought, what did I want when I was growing up that I didn't have, even though all the websites, there was, there's tons of great education websites out there, but what didn't they have? I found that they kind of told you what to do it. Maybe there was like a printable PDF, but like, that was it. Like, you know, I wanted like an example for that specific concept, you know, multiple tempos, you know, I want to be able to download it, Mm -hmm. practice with it. So even if it takes me a little longer to um, give the, you know, to, the information that I'm teaching for that to be able to be studied and for me to take my time and put a lot of uh, different different ways of practicing up there, it's worth it. So that's essentially what Baseform is. It's, it's a base website. If you um, if you want to access it, it's just a monthly fee and you get everything on there. And it's tons on the way. As I said, it's in its first year of life. So um, And another thing is people can reach out to me. I find like when I sign up for a website, everyone's untouchable. Yeah, so that's weird, isn't yeah. it? Like you... You're like, he's still the guy on YouTube, but I'm paying him $15 a month. So it would be nice to be able to have some contact with you. Like, Yeah, that's where I think, you know, some people be like, oh, well, what if, you know, down the line, it's completely overwhelming and you can't answer everyone. I'm like, that's a great problem to have, you know, like mm-hmm. right now um, in its first year of life, I, I'm fortunate to have, a, you know, a good bit of subscribers, but everyone I, I'll take that's part of the job you know i'll take time to answer emails there's something called member uploads which if someone's like hey man like i'm working on your exercise like i'm working on this technique like send a video in you know with a message i'll look at it critique it you know like that's that's the thing i want it i want it i don't want to be untouchable even though i do get a lot of messages um it's part of it to to fish through them and uh to answer people would you ever think of doing like a monthly base hang like because on zoom you can have like nearly 100 people or something or more even a few hundred i think and like just hang out with all the freedom people i would you know yeah if things really start to continue to evolve absolutely i'm down for all that i i'm very passionate about what i do if people want to hang and learn that's it i'm definitely not a nickel and dimer are all about the money or untouchable. I, I, I just want to play and share, share bass with the world, you know? <laughs> and you find yourself playing a lot of music these days. Obviously you have to learn the songs. Is it giving you kind of uh, bringing the joy back into music and giving you a passion to play the bass, having all these courses to put together and songs to transcribe? Oh yeah. The, uh, the website has definitely been, in the past year, the most motivated I've ever been. I never lost the like, just the playing aspect. I'm always, I'm teaching all day. I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, I do music for a living, so I've never lost that part of it. But yeah, no, for sure. The website has a different, um, a different type of motivation than seeing your follower count go up. Cause I used to do, I've been doing social media like, or like videos for like, probably like four or five, four or five years but this last year has been a huge uptick and it's been very bass heavy because I used to do like other covers and like split screens, different instruments, dress up in costumes. <laughs> I mean, like I, I've, I've, I've definitely changed a little bit, but there's been a, a little bit of a, 
there's definitely been evolution. Yeah, you were kind of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what would stick like when you were new at it. Yeah, at first I did what I wanted. And what I wanted to do was, you know, um, popular covers of things I loved and to put them in my own arrangement. So if people really wanted to like dig back, if you know, you went to my YouTube or Facebook or just scroll down, you know, you'd see um, these Andrew Freed music covers, which, you know, I did like Harry Potter, Star Wars, you know, The Simpsons. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, you name it. Like just like all these popular covers, but I did it in my like, um flashy rock like just my way whatever i heard in my head so there there there's still things i'm proud of i i haven't i've just moved on since then so um but those were some those are some fun stuff if anyone wants to dig down and look at what i used to do and what what's going on with tiktok i i I just got i took my girlfriend's phone there yesterday and i went on it so i could look at your profile i don't even have it on my phone (laughs) what's the story you seem to be getting a lot of traction on there like with the videos you're doing yeah so instagram and tiktok have been taken off mainly because of this underrated baseline series i've been doing and it's essentially Mm -hmm. i pick a song that i think has an underrated baseline it's completely my opinion but most people tend to agreed with me and i say you know songs you didn't know had good bass lines and i put some educational facts over there i boost my bass and turn the track way down so it's really present and as i said spit some facts there and people have been loving that because i've been attracting more than just the bass player i get people saying oh my god like i never realized this before i'm listening to the bass more i had some people mm. sending me pictures with a new bass being like you inspired me to to get a bass i'm like wow i I didn't expect this this was this has been you know i had two thousand followers on tiktok you know like a couple months ago and now i have almost 50 it's been it's been simply because of the baseline um series so i owe it a lot and it's a lot of fun are there any basses you think are underrated not just bass lines but bass players that probably should get a bit more recognition than they do like absolutely um, this is once I start talking about specific people is where I find people be like, Oh, either he's not underrated or something <laughs> like that. The, the bass line in a specific song, people will be like, all right, maybe a lot of people yeah. didn't know about that, but absolutely. I just released a, um, a YouTube video yesterday from, uh, uh Chris Wolstenholm, the bassist mm-hmm. of Muse. Um, you know, I had some people comment, be like, Oh, this guy's not underrated, but it's like, if I asked, if you put 20 people in a room and I said, who's the bass player of Muse? Yeah. I bet you 18, 19 of them would be like, oh, that guy's sick, but I don't know his name. And if, if you don't know his name, I think he's underrated. So um, there's an example of someone. Well, I was in a cover band back when they only had Ar- Origin of Symmetry out, which is their third album, I think. And um, I was really new oh, at playing album. the bass. Like, I didn't even know my other songs, but the guy who was, you know, the guitar singer guy was like, listen to the bass playing. This guy plays really interesting lines. So like... He, I love Chris's playing. Like it really, he, he. I, I think Matt Bellamy might write some of the bass lines, but the bass lines are always really hooky and catchy, and the, his tone, especially the, the choice of effects, is always awesome. Awesome, yeah. That that video I I literally released this week. Um, goes into all that. His massive tone. His uh, you know, I break again into the theory. His harmonic approach. Um, I've seen Muse too. They were they were nuts. So I'm a big fan. I can I definitely uh probably have a list of underrated bassists. Some some with some small groups who've been a big influence of mine and 
some, as I said, that might be on the fence with people being like, eh, is that guy underrated? But, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say Jocko or, you know, Paul McCartney, but I, no. I, I'll, I'll name drop. I'll say the guy from Muse I think is underrated. It's- yeah, and your man from Duran Duran, I know he, though the bass is always very prominent, but he, yeah, I think he could go under underrated bass player. For sure. Um, I, when I did Rio in my under my one of my series for the underrated bass lines and as a crazy line with the uh crazy ghost notes and he does that for the whole song so it's definitely been fun doing also the series for the sake of learning some players that i hadn't really shed before and like wow this, this guy's this guy's pretty good yeah i think paul deacon you know from queen obviously everyone knows he's he's a good John deacon John Deacon, Paul Deacon, that's his brother. <laughs> but, uh, he is amazing. Like, not only is he underrated, uh, he must be one of the best ever bass players in rock. Like, he does all these extensions and he plays like, if Freddie is on the piano, he'll play like the fifth, like make it into a slash chord and all this stuff. Like, real advanced stuff for a bass player in a rock band. He's absolutely awesome. But you probably have him on your list of people to do or you've done him already. He's definitely on my list. Uh, I I want to do a video, a YouTube video on him, just him for the underrated bassists. Killer Queen, the Queen song did. I did did make the series last week. I did a Killer Queen video. People like that one. That's uh, I agree. He's great. Uh, it's easy to be overshadowed when you have um, Freddie Mercury and Brian May in the band. Yeah, and the drummer with his class harmonies. That's him that does all the back and vocals with Freddie. You no, know, does pristine. Uh, double vocals that they always have that's the drummer and him singing it always sounds amazing that's awesome that's but awesome. Uh, what when it comes to gear you usually have, you're, you're rocking a warwick usually are you i see you have a jazz kind of behind you i play so my main two bases are a fender jazz this one here is the american professional series of four string and then my other one is a five string ibanez it's one of the uh sr premium 1905 it's like one that i walked into a music store played it and just fell in love and walked out with it those are my two main ones i do have a warwick warwick i play um occasionally that one i had more in my teen years and i kind of put it aside and then picked it up recently and fell in love with it again i also have a five string um fender another fender jazz an american elite but i I don't play that one as much so the main two are the fender four string and the ibanez uh, are you a five string guy or you just never got into it i'm definitely a five string guy oh, yeah. i've played a five string as my main bass probably for the last six years but i got a four string since i got in since i launched bass freedom and um teaching some sometimes the fifth string isn't very friendly to to people who it might confuse so i i use the four string for teaching and then i just fell in love with this bass it's got mm. that classic right it's got the best slap tone and um Ibanez is a different type of cut through tone, but I'm very yeah. happy with my tone and my sound for the first time, like ever. Cause I, I used to be someone who just bass and amp plug in, no pedals, nothing, you know, didn't care, you know, for the longest time. And then once I got into recording that I really started to fo- focus on my tone. Yeah. I've got an aerodyne. It's like the worst bass ever for lessons. Cause it has no dots on the front. So you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like, people be like, what? Which you on? Yeah, like what fret or uh, go to your ter- the third dot, and they're just they have no idea where I am. That's funny. I also play out of um, an Aguilar. I use the Tone Hammer 500, um, which is a great amp. Mm-hmm. And 
some pedals too. I use uh, mainly a uh, compressor pedal from Dark Glass Electronics. And that's kind of my thing. I like that compressed tone, you know, especially when I do a lot of slap stuff, aggressive finger style, like the compressed tone got a nice dialed in sound. Is your bass plugged in? Um, yeah. Know. Yeah. Let's, let's hear some of that. Cause uh, I have, you've, when you do that, um, you know, double thumbing stuff, it always cuts through really good. Like whatever way you set up your tone, it, it's perfect for all those percussive and light touches like. Yeah, I think on my Ibanez, it really cuts through, but still on this bass, it's got a nice, um, you know, the Defender Jazz still has a bolstered presence. Can you hear this? Oh, yeah. Sounds really good. Yeah, sometimes I'm going through the interface or through the amp into the interface. So the mic, the mic does pick up a little bleed, but it's mostly interface. It's okay. We've got Yod in the background. He's like supervising here. He'll make sure everything works. Wait, say that again? We've got Yoda in the background watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely a uh, a big, you know, a, a nerd at heart when it comes to Star Wars and Harry Potter. But... You're not the first guest who's a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. It's funny because some people, when they, they see this, they're like, oh, man, you're, you're a big nerd. I'm like, definitely, but like, you know, I'm still, I'm a sports guy too and, uh, you know, a musician, and, but I, uh, I definitely dabble with Star Wars and Harry Potter. That's that's my jam. So yeah, this um I'm not sure just with that through the interface how this sounds, but it definitely has a good little um good little cut through mix. Yep. Sounds good. So yeah, the double thumb. Yeah, I guess you can use this other camera angle too, you know the Ooh, getting fancy, two angles. Yeah, I do a lot of that double thumb approach. And um, with the tone, some of it is in um, post-production for sure. I have a nice cut-through tone, but I like to add some extra compression on the end and you know boost it in the mm-hmm. mix. But yeah, I think this, this definitely pumps through. If you got any bass uh, or technique, double thumb, any questions, I'm all ears. Yeah, well, how did how long have you been doing the double thumb? Like, did you was it from watching Victor Wooten or what made you want to? And and also, this is an ongoing topic. Did you learn how to slap like Flea and Lewis Johnson with the thumb up or or with the thumb down? Sorry, or are you doing? Did you learn the way you're doing it straight away, or did you have to switch over? I suppose. Yeah, so I started with I call it traditional slap and pop. Okay, that's a better than that's a good way of calling it. <laughs> Traditional slap and pop is the flea style where it's just your right hand. The most you're doing is, you know, slapping and popping with maybe hammer-ons and pull-offs and dead notes, muted notes. Um, then the next threshold I consider, yes, the, the double thumb, the advanced slap techniques where you're, the, the thumb is going up, the left hand is up, can come into play. I call this left-hand fretting, um, using, you know, one, fingers one and two. I have a roll technique. I can go through a bunch of the techniques I use, but... I started with traditional slap and pop. I went to the double thumb stuff too early, just like anyone. I get tons of questions like, ah, I just can't get it, everything mm-hmm. like that. And I find that those people, most of the time who aren't getting double thumb is because their traditional slap technique isn't good. I have evolved with my thumb. I definitely started pretty downwards, like flea, that kind of. Mm-hmm. But I find you can't, 
you can't come up no. if you're that downward. So I started to, you know, once I learned some Marcus Miller style bass lines, I started to turn up a little more. So I'd like to say I'm, you know, definitely kind of just in the middle now, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it depends on my mood or if I, if I know I'm not going to use advanced stuff, I'll go a little more downward because there is some speed on the, on the down approach, but now the, the way to go is traditional slap and pop, get all your basics down, muting huge part. And then you can start to work on the accuracy of attacking the down and up. What would be some kind of simple baselines you'd probably show a student when to get that kind of thing going, the double thumb? The double thumb, I would definitely start with just taking, um, you know, so Victor Wooten, when he first learned the double thumb, he couldn't get the feel of this, like, just bouncing eighth note groove, like, with his fingers. Like, I think it was just like a... He just said he didn't have the feel in his fingers. So what you want to do is be real simple at first and just take your thumb and try and just with one note on one string, go through the string, switch cameras, go through the string, landing on the other ones. I like to do it at the end of the, the fingerboard because if, if you're in here, it's a gray area. This, this can dip too low through the string and just up and try and groove with it. Some people are just going like... You know, try to use yeah. it like a pick. You know, you know, you got got to make music out of it. Then do it on every string. And once you can start grooving with it, you can maybe you can start to do a little more speed. Then you want to start bringing in the other fingers. So that's really how I get started. I think everyone's trying too much at first. They're, they're already trying to bring in the, the down up pluck. It's like, oh my God, you got to spend months on just the thumb, develop the, the callus, the, the feel, the accuracy. You know, I want, you should be able to completely, you don't want to do that, but completely be able to kind of torque your hand and just go through the string. It's, it's all accuracy and then in a combination with muting, which is important. Yeah, do you like Mark King as well? He's really his left hand muting is very important to his style. Absolutely, Mark King. I put in the same uh, boat as Les Claypool when I talk about left hand muting. So left hand muting is when the hand here touches the strings, and then you use these fingers here to kind of just catch them, and you know, kind of dampen the strings. It's very easy to to press down and fret a note. So you need to find that fine line between muting the strings and just kind of catching them so you know when i combine it if i do muting here dead note that kind of thud like dead note so when you combine the thumb this left hand muting and popping sounds like lacquerhead <laughs> Hey, yeah, you know your primus. It is Lacquerhead. Oh, I was obsessed, man. I had every album. He's play all the songs in a in a kind of a funk metal band. I had. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Me too, man. Yeah, no wonder uh, you like my stuff. I'm a huge, um, huge primus like fan, especially when I was a teenager. But that was my first stage after traditional slap and pop. Before I got into double thumb, I got into that Lacquerhead style stuff. So. Technically, this left hand is a muting, but we've all, I always tell people, we've already done it before. When you hammer on something, 
that's the same thing. But instead of fretting the note, you're just going to kind of take this hand up and lift it up. Mm -hmm. So when you combine that with notes, the left hand muting and traditional slap and pop, you can get a lot of cool, you know, rhythm, just rhythmic textures just from the left hand. And would you ever say to someone, because obviously slapping is really good fun, but it doesn't get you a gig most of the time. Would you ever say to a, a young student, I think we should focus on the fundamentals before we go become slap uh, masters. Or would you say, look, if you want to do slap every day, that's cool with me. Well, I wouldn't only do slap with someone, but it depends because I growing up was someone who was so attracted to slap. I wanted to do it, but there was a blend. There has to be a blend. Yeah. We've, you need to be able to really know the fundamentals. And for me, I'm huge on arpeggios, just multiple ways knowing your fretboard you know we don't have to we don't have to read music i know there's some teachers that are half half yes. to read music i like my students to read at an intermediate level it's there for reference and everything i think reading rhythms is so beneficial like for even yes, if you even if you never read the dots you you open up a, a whole new language that you can speak to your a drummer if you can read rhythms it's and you it improves your internal rhythm you can go like you know, there's like nine common rhythms, like dotted eights and stuff like that. If you can see them and play them, that's really beneficial, even before you can read the dots. Absolutely. I I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's definitely a tricky subject when it comes to um, telling people what the specific way of how they learn, what they can mm -hmm. do. So I try to bite my tongue and not say things sometimes, but I think, Students should have choice. You know, if someone wants to, someone literally picked up this instrument because they wanted to slap. Maybe I'll make them, they got to tough through some stuff. But if it's their true goal, yeah, of course we'll try and intertwine it. And I can kill two birds with one stone by, you know, if we want to learn slap technique, we can slap some arpeggios in octave shapes and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Um, so I, I don't really have a definite answer on, you know, if they want to be slap masters, do we avoid it or do we go for it? It, it depends on the person. I think everyone should have a choice. I think it's wrong to say like, this is the only way you can, you know, the only path you could go down. So I don't have like a curriculum on bass freedom or my lessons. It's like, I'm going to adapt to you. because Everyone mm -hmm. has a different musical path, different goal, different abilities. It's, it's, it can't be one way. No, definitely not. Like, and at the end of the day, music's supposed to be fun. So to say to someone, exactly. I'm not going to teach you slap because it's not going to get you a gig. Maybe they don't want to get a gig. Maybe they just want to play slap and that's what they find fun in music. So yeah, it has to be a different way for everyone. Yeah, if you're trying to get gigs, then maybe you shouldn't have a presence of just only being a slap guy now. I mean, that, that maybe that won't get you calls. It depends on your goals. But I'm a huge ambassador that slapping ghost notes some of the, the flashier but percussive stuff helps your internal clock your timing so it's like oh my god i became so much more of a rhythmic person when i'm essentially being a drummer yeah you know i mean you might not yes you're not going to be doing that at your bar gig you know your local bar gig but we want to we want to get the best we can at our instrument and we do things because they're fun for us it doesn't you, so you you when you play that two hour bar gig you you chill you you play your role you do your thing. I, another thing that I bite my tongue with is the don't haters. bite your tongue, man. Just let it all out. <laughs> this is uh, a safe space. <laughs> yeah, no, but I don't know. 
I grew up a, a slapper and like a flash attracted to that stuff, you know, and um, and then I settled in and I really learned how to be solid puck player, do my role. And now that, you know, thanks to social media, you know, you can you can do both of that. I can do the underrated baselines and just play with the baselines, not, you know, do anything crazy. But I could also show you how to incorporate double thumb with left hand fretting and roll techniques and 16 no triplets, you know, I mean. It's you can do it all now. So I don't think there's any role or any rules, excuse me. But when I say by my tongue, it's just more, you know, the haters out there on on the slap base. We have an instrument that is, gets a lot of hate, but um, I don't yeah, know. We, try, don't we I, tried to talk openly on this, uh, but I say I, I'm always saying I'm I'm trying to add to the conversation, not to the noise. So if you're just slagging something off for no reason, that's just bullshit, really. But we try to have like. A conversation if we can about things like uh, I, 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 I love playing slap as well but I, I obviously you, I don't get a gig doing it but I, I still find myself learning it I'm, I'm learning like a Davey 504 line at the moment because nice. I actually think he's a really good bass player I know he gets a lot of hate which is co- completely unfounded but I'm learning a thing of his called slap it's like a lot of double thumbing in it and it's just a nice little piece but um, someone like him even gets hate and I don't obviously he does silly videos but He's, he's still like one of the best bass players you can watch on the internet. Yeah, I think if you're getting hate, that means, you know, someone's watched enough of you to have an opinion. That's a good thing, you know. Bass is always going to have that element of it when it comes to slap and maybe some of the older heads. But I love Davey 504. His tone is incredible. Yeah. He's 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 funny. Um, some people will be like, I don't think I'm at a level yet where I can like battle with him or anything, but I would love to do that stuff one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what well, he does. He he, he like pl- records them and then does playback because I was learning his piece and I was thinking, man, this is really hard and the shapes are really weird. <laughs> there's no way he recorded this live, but he got like a perfect take or comped it somehow. Like, but the shapes in it are just bizarre and the little runs and things. But yeah, you, I'm sure, yeah, you could definitely do one of those battles, like throw some of those crazy licks in. Oh yeah, no. I, I, if it's if we're just having a flexing game, I would love to go against Davy Five Four because he he does a lot of the same techniques I do. We like double thumb. He's more of a like a tapper type of when he does like actual like like Van Halen style tapping. I'm more of like a sweep tapper. I mean, you talk about not getting a gig. That's the but diving back into that, I like learning how to sweep arpeggios on my instrument has made me know my arpeggios all over my instrument. So it's like yeah, you know, I'm gonna yeah. do a video on that too. It's like. You know, and I have to say, because I get it. It's like, no, why, the, the haters would be like, why don't you just play guitar if you're sweeping? It's like, well, guitarists might be able to do that in a song or whatever, but I am learning more about my instrument and it's freaking fun. That should be enough to want to learn something. You know, that's like Billy Sheehan style sweeping. You know, it's really helped me know my arpeggios all over. I was, I was really into that stuff. It does. Like when you start learning, you know, those kind of mel- melodic kind of uh, very slow tapping parts when you realize that if they're just certain shapes of arpeggios. And if you tap yeah. those and do it, it, it sounds unreal. And you're writing these really cool pieces of music. That is a good way of learning your arpeggios. Oh, yeah. All we, we're basis. Our main goal in most settings are to outline chords. What makes up chords? Arpeggios. So if we know them in every way possible, you know, starting on different fingers, spanning across our neck, extended, even if it involves tapping, it's just increasing our knowledge of the fretboard. Everything shouldn't come down to, is it going to get you a gig or not? Because not everyone gigs. A lot of people just want to play for fun and learn. And I listen to tons of music 
um, that has had that style of playing in it too. I mean, you look look at some of the music that's coming out nowadays. Some of these guys are doing some flashy stuff. You know, we're not all talking about James Jamerson or Motown style basslines or Paul McCartney basslines. You know, mm. some genre calls for aggressive slap or even some cool little you know flary. I have some videos where I've made sweep tapping work. It's it's like a textural thing. You know, you, yeah. you good way to end the song. You know, when everyone's you know or um you can make it work uh, would you ever bring out a book like a, a hard copy because i saw that um what's that guy <laughs> i'm always forgetting people's name he's like he, he, dave navarro is it not dave navarro that's the guitarist that used to be in uh, uh james addiction is something navarro but he has like this crazy deep bass uh, voice it's Na- almost Na- nathan navarro and when he talks it's like he's using a vocoder his voice is like about an octave lower than mine's like he was born to play the bass but uh, he the just brought it he's amazing but he just brought out a book so and the book is for beginners and advanced so the first two chapters are beginner stuff but then there's like this super advanced stuff at the end do you think you'd ever bring out a hard copy yourself of a book like yeah i think so um as being a website business that is a subscription service, right now the goal is to just put content on there that people can access. Once um, months, years pass where I have tons and tons of content on there, I can maybe take a specific, um, you know, a specific specific uh, piece of or technique or fundamental and put into a book for people who don't want to just like pay and sift through things. So Mm -hmm. I would do that, but it's not a right now goal, but I would, I wouldn't rule it out. And are there any um, educators that kind of inspired your pedagogy and well, inspired you to even become an educator, I suppose. Did you always teach your mates how to play a bit of music or was there something that made you decide I'm going to be a teacher? That's a great question. It wasn't anyone specific more than, Yes, I think in the bands that I played with growing up, um, I always was curious about what we were doing, you know, more, you know, I would often not even write the music, you know, bassist, bassist can write music, but I would join a band, guitarist wrote a song and I'm like, what's going on here? So I would kind of dissect it to myself. And then I found if I ever felt confusion towards something, I wanted to know what I was doing. So that was kind of self-induced or just being in bands. There wasn't a specific person that um really made me want to go into teaching to be honest i have studied tons of uh different type of educators throughout the years and i've learned from all of them but no one specific i would think it's just more my experiences and i love to i love to show people how to do things you know so um not just in bass so i think it was the writing was on the wall when i was a teenager i wanted to be touring in a band like everyone else but i I really always loved just the the why behind things. So I think that was kind of self-induced more than a true idol when it comes to teaching. I have base idols, but I don't really have teaching idols. <laughs> yeah, I have, well, it was uh, Jim Sinet who sadly passed away earlier in the year. He was definitely the guy who made me get into like being a teacher. Like I was I was doing a bit, some lessons, but it was literally just necessity. I was like, I, I I can't work on the building site every day and be a musician. My hands are killing me. So like it was necessity doing lessons. But then when I saw him on YouTube, it kind of made me, I really got into what he was doing and, and kind of up my own game as a, an educator. Like, That's awesome. That's awesome. Man. 
But uh, did you ever try the solo bass? Since your you know your your technique is so advanced, uh, I never see you doing any kind of just solo bass pieces. Have you ever thought of getting into that side of things? Yes and no. Again, being honest and not biting my tongue, I find sometimes just solo bass um, tracks or it's just not the most entertaining of like music, especially if it's like all on bass, like loop stuff. I am still someone who loves like, I don't know. I, I've thought about it. I've had some bass pieces, which I've showcased. I had this one called um, From a Different Planet. Uh, I've done some bass pieces I've put together, but like my own music, I think that's in the future for sure. Because I, I write a lot of riffs and stuff and people like, oh, where can I get this? But, do, you rem- do you remember any of your pieces or <laughs> the riffs off the top of your head since you have the bass in your hand? Oh, yeah. I have tons of things. Um, you know, I... I I'd say my style with writing um, still ends up being more of a song. Like it, it's more to be a baseline and I'd build guitars and program drums around it. it. It would still turn more into songwriting than like just showcasing my abilities, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But certain pieces do showcase my abilities. Um, they're from a different planet. I oh, mean, if I'm thinking of how to play that stuff, it's that's flashy. That's like when it, so when I say bass piece, you know, it's it's not a song. It's and it's you know, I like to call them an etude. Like it's like yeah, this is a really good technique, and here's a nice piece of music I wrote. But it's not a song you're going to listen to on Spotify. But it's a nice piece of music to play to learn this technique. Exactly, that's perfect, man. Yeah. So it's like besides from Victor Wooten's "A Show of Hands," which was like me and my, you know, when he did like me and my bass guitar, and I don't know if you ever heard. Yeah. You can't hold no groove. That's like a masterpiece of a solo album where, you know, it's just you don't need anything else but his. Yeah, that's you'd listen to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that stuff, but I don't know. A solo bass, I should. It's in. There's so much I want to do, and it. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I wish I had more time to kind of focus on like pushing my own music out there. But when you do, when you're trying to become an educator and teach everyone else, in addition to creating videos to entertain everyone else and building your own website, it, it's just you gotta have to pick and choose. But yeah, I do have some original pieces that I've done, and some parts from it you wouldn't think are just like a flashy part, like um. I have some cool, like, kind of spooky sounding mm-hmm. type of riffs, but they always turn into a um, turn a little more. Just some cool slap. Yeah, that's stuff, really cool. Um, that I said could still be viewed as a song. Mm-hmm. But that piece showcases for sure some some the peak of my abilities. There's some double thumb stuff. Some uh, flamenco. I kind of got it from Les Claypool. Some like flamenco style striking. Yeah. got some cool stuff in there with um i love slap. that stuff that's awesome I, I um i'm doing some of that myself i'm working i'm going to release something but it's not going to be something you listen to on spotify it's just going to be like 
here's a really cool 60, 60 seconds of music showcasing this technique and you can learn it, learn learn the piece of music and you'll be able to do the technique then for sure that's a great idea don't that's steal my idea, idea. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, i won't yeah but, i uh i was gonna say i um i write tons of music but i'm more of like a riff writer than like a songwriter because there is a, the bassist in me I, I do play keys guitar and all that stuff but i definitely find myself like a riffy guy so when i was in a band I, it was definitely a communal thing where it'd be like oh we're jamming or i came up with something and then it mm-hmm. turns into things then like i had like you know lennon mccarty style like i got lyrics and a full song ready you guys build over it so i think original music's in my future i, I really to be honest would i think i think you haven't met the right person yet because like you said what i was gonna say like come on like crit in my band i like you know the bass lines and stuff and the drum me and the drummer have this great connection but the singer and the guitarist is amazing at that at what he does so like i can write an amazing bass line and then he puts his thing to it becomes an amazing song you know so you definitely sometimes you need to find the right people and when the drummer comes in we make a song with the three of us but in our as individuals we're not as good as we are as the three of us so i think that's what you're waiting for to find the per- your kind of songwriting partner i suppose Oh, for sure. That's exactly you said exactly what I was going to say. I think I instead of me like doing a solo like bass like, you know, album or something or I, I would probably just wait to find the right musicians that are the same style as me where I can, you know, have really do all the things I want to do and it's still in my style and then we collaborate. I, I think that'll happen down the line. Hopefully as if things can continue to evolve for me, that'll put me into touch with other musicians who I'll be able to gel with and um you know maybe we can do uh become a social media band or something and- yeah well hey talk talk about things coming together nate navarro toured with um devon townsend on the last tour he did you know the the metal guy yeah because of his youtube fame he got hired to be in that band so <laughs> you never know what could happen yeah that's true that's true for sure i uh it helps to do that stuff too because you know there'd be like people would be like oh andrew freed you know like i'm not in a popular band that's world known so you know what's my thing i guess well bass freedom will help because oh it's you know that's the guy from bass freedom the uh you know the, the teacher the main guy at bass freedom but i i've often thought that like oh man i don't have a a true band that i've like what am i known for so and i, I sort of just said well i can't worry about that because there's some luck so I, just, I do my thing um put out videos just be myself and let it you know who cares what you're known for and then hopefully that you know well i'll give you a tip from people i know who are really successful in the session bass world you just send a message to someone if you like their music and say do you want some bass that's that's how a lot of these connections happen before people generally don't come to you with that stuff but if you hear someone's music you like and you say hey do you want some free bass tracks and you know builds a relationship and if you like their music you'd be okay with laying down some tracks for them i guess yeah no that's that's a good point can't be scared to to speak out i do a lot of session work as well for um people who who hire me i uh don't make it marketed as much because i'm so busy with lessons and the content and the website but i um that's definitely good good thing for people who want to just especially if you're gonna offer your free services that's a that's a good tip <laughs> well, yeah I, i'd really have to like the song to be <laughs> to be doing work <laughs> for free I, I i don't i can't remember last time i did anything for free with music but if i really like someone's song i was thinking this person could really blow up i'd be saying do you want baseline you know 
yeah no so um a lot of this stuff is new i'm newer to the to the game i feel like um you know hopefully a couple years from now i would love for some of the people we've talked about to know who i am but i think i'm kind of new into this game i'm still in my 20s just for one more year so still uh kind of grinding out my 20s to a still a young book man you've got years ahead of you (laughs) yeah i'm 28 i turned 29 in july well i I think you have a a bright future in this whole online thing and you know you're you've got your chops are obviously there like so i'm sure someone's going to call you for you'd like to do a tour like a proper being a big touring band doing one of those gigs like i don't know um it's tough going i can tell you i've done it (laughs) it's so it's grueling i've toured with like the local groups i've been with you know you know you do like 10 dates 12 dates you know um a couple weeks out on the road you know with I, I never really in my my mind consider them true chores, but yes and no. I, I really, as I said, I am a part of me as a homebody and doesn't want to be on the road for months. To be honest, I almost like the the online educational route. Um, eventually, want to start going live and you know um, doing things like that. So yes and no. I mean, if a really famous person is going to hit me up and say, "Would you tour this?" Obviously, yes. But that's not my biggest goal right now. I'll let things come to me, but I, I would like to build the build the online following build the online business and anything else after that is just cherry on top class uh, well is there anything you want to say to the listeners do you want to I suppose just where where is the best place to check you out um instagram and tiktok is that your main hangout and i think youtube as well so you're you're fairly active on all three of them like yeah so i um if you just search andrew freed music on instagram tiktok those are definitely my two biggest thriving and um, consistent platforms right now. YouTube, I post every couple of weeks. Um, try to, you know, it's all time. Try to put more content out there daily. But that I'm really trying to get um, more consistent on. Those are really detailed, like edited, heavy videos. Instagram's like underrated baselines, you know, slap breakdowns, things that um, take me some time, but not you know, hours and hours and hours of editing. Mm-hmm. So YouTube, I think I've actually put on a higher threshold of uh, there's educational videos, underrated basis videos, just uh, all based content on there that's a little more detailed. So those are the big three. I am on Facebook too. Honestly, Facebook, when I used to do the, uh, the covers I was talking about with costumes and the green screens, I, uh, I had a big following then there, but Facebook's sort of fallen off in my opinion when it comes to social media. It's very, you got to boost you- like, put money into everything it doesn't show it to your followers so i'm yeah, on I, facebook in, in my band we don't we barely use our public page anymore but we have a private page for our fans and there's you know a few hundred of them in there and, and they see a hundred percent of what you put up so that's like a little cheat but it'll probably ruin that soon as well yeah so i face i'm on all all the big four but the the big ones right now have been instagram tiktok and youtube cool man well thanks for coming on everyone's going to check you out and uh asher we'll keep keep in touch i'm sure we'll we'll you come on yeah. another time when you've got well one of these a new course or something or whatever like yeah for sure if you ever want um uh, this was fun i uh um would love to come back break down some stuff talk about things and uh yeah uh, i'll follow you now so i'll have to check out the band and check out the interviewer so um, so man I appreciate it man thank you thanks a lot